I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone, to a very, very special, 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 special episode. Why is it so special, Jamie? Please tell us. We are a century's worth of episodes. What a great way to put that. Yeah, it was not. Centuries worth. I was not expecting that at all. Not at all, but I dig it. I like it a lot. If you're not familiar with old-timey parlor talk, as Jamie has just so shared old with timey. us. So old-timey. It is our 100th episode, guys. One, zero, all the zero. sirens. <laughs> oh. That was a really nice, was a really You're nice sound. Yeah, I'll, I'll apologize to our listeners for our peaks. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. We're so excited. We've gone through so many episodes, talked with so many people about horror and human behavior and mental we're really, health. We're really talking fun. horror. We're really <laughs> talking horror. <laughs> we we done. We're doing it. We we're did, doing our best. did a good job. We're, we've been episodes. doing our best for a hundred episodes. Hashtag yeah. doing our best. A hundred episodes. For a hundred really episodes. Mm-hmm. So why not bring in the hundredth episode with a movie that is definitely considered one of the greats. Guys, we're talking about the 1980 psychological horror classic, The Shining. Ooh. Yes, that was beautiful. Gorgeous, Jamie. Gorgeous tones. <laughs> then I'll huff, and I'll puff, and I'll blow your house in. This movie was directed by Stanley Kubrick and is co-written by Diane Johnson, and the film is based on Stephen King's 1977 novel of the same name, and it stars a one Jack Nicholson, you heard of the press of, uh, what'd you say? You heard of him? You heard of him? I'm just getting really excited. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, it's hot off the press of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is a movie I will not forget because I watched it in my psychology class in high oh, really? school. Ooh. Yes. 
So that was a really fun time. I couldn't exactly remember what it's about and tell you what it's about, but I remember Jack Nicholson in it. And it makes sense that this would kind of be the next movie after that one. So that was just fun fact for you guys. So we have him in there. We got Shelley Duvall, our scream queen and Scatman Crothers and a one Danny Lloyd. So obviously heavy spoilers for everything, the shining and maybe some of What's the movie, Brian? Wow. That's The Shining, the the sequel. Dr. Sleep. Oh, Dr. Sleep. Thank you. For some reason, because we were talking about, about Black Mirror before we started recording, mm-hmm. something like Black Dark Night or something was in my brain. <laughs> so I was thinking, yeah, Dark Knight is the sequel yeah, the to The Knight. Shining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Dark Knight. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. some spoilers for for both of those movies, possibly the second mm-hmm. one, Doctor Sleep, and Jamie. Any trigger warnings for this? Yes, there's a spooky axe that makes people's insides appear on the outside, um, yes. and you see shots of people's insides on their outside several times, in, including children, um, young Yee. girls. Um, there's also nudity and like a rotting lady corpse. Um, I don't know how else to describe that. I, I feel like that's pretty accurate. Yes. <laughs> um, 13 ghosts at its best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, a, would you call it, would you call it erotic? Oh my boo, God. Boo, <laughs> tomato, 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 boo. tomato, tomato, tomato. <laughs> Um, there is also, um, reference to child abuse. I mean, you already have the dead acts children, but Mm -hmm. other references to child abuse, um, both like just alluded to, but also, I mean, you see like the, the marks on Danny at one point in the movie. So I feel like that's also a Mm, representation of that too. Um, uh, a frozen head. Um, Best shot. Not Elsa, not Anna. No, none, none of them. They weren't in existence um, yet. Yes, and uh, other other nudity in uh, isn't there nudity in Dick Halloran's uh, bedroom? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brian, that what is are you a holding? great pop Funko. Uh, the Frozen Jack Funko mm. Pop. Uh, it's actually a fake. But uh, it's great. So fake. Yeah, it's fake. But I so love you're it. You're a liar. No, no. I, 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 I'm just telling the truth. It still exists. It's yeah, just I, fake. But yeah, it's exactly, really nice. Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, let's get into all the things that is The Shining. Producer Brian, give us some words so that we can get into it. Yeah, of course. Um, I can't believe it's our 100th episode. That's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow us wherever you get podcasts. Uh, no, wait, what? You can follow <laughs> us wherever you're on social media. Um, we are at Talk Horror Pod on Instagram, on TikTok, and on Twitter. Yes. TikTok's almost at 15K. Uh, we're, we're slowly getting there, uh, but uh, it's very cool, very exciting. So follow us there uh, in general. That'll be great. Um, but before we begin, I have some fun things for our 100th episode before we get into what I've been calling it the whole week, the shinning. Um, (laughs) Shins beware. Shins beware. All right. So I went through all of our episodes Uh and I picked, I figured out 
what all of our like uh, what for those of you who don't know or, or just to refresh your memory, um, we one of our rating systems is one through ten for shakes. How much can you shake it off? And I th- I feel like that's our like closest thing to like overall score essentially. Mm, mm-hmm. So I mean it's a little different for sure. So I I went in and I found what all of our tens are and our nines are, um, and then what Ooh. our zeros and ones are. So. Yeah. Only one movie, uh, sorry, only two movies are tens across hmm. the oh, wow. board for everybody. Ten, ten, tens do across you, the board. Do you know what those two tens are? Do you know what those two movies are where we gave them tens across the board, all three of us? Oh, gosh. We've seen so much. We've seen a, we've seen 100. 99. <laughs> You're really only checking from to 99 of them. I want to say a Jordan Peele movie might be in there. Yes, maybe. Which one? Get Out. Get Out. Get Out is a 10 across the board. Hey. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, baby. Nope. And then uh, there's another one that's 10s across the board. Ooh. Like going through my Rolodex. Yeah. Right now. I'm only I'm realizing I have a terrible ones. memory. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we covered, we, uh, here's a hint. We've mm. covered all of this director's, all of the director's movies. We just haven't done his latest one yet. The Sixth Sense? No. No, no. We haven't done his latest one. Oh. Oh. Mm. We, oh. He only, oh uh, hereditary? Yeah, Hereditary. Oh. <laughs> I have it, and then it How? escaped, and then I completely forgot what the thought was again. Yeah, you just like lost back. your head. I get it. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, Jamie's How? ten are Hereditary, Get Out, The Last of Us season one, The Evil Dead, mm-hmm. and Evil Dead two. Those <laughs> are Jamie's. What a Baby. good list. Those Heck are her yeah. only ten. Nikisha only has three tens. Mm. Um. <laughs> Hereditary, Get Out, and Mithrigan, Megan. I love Megan, and I will stand for her because she deserves tens across the board (laughs) every day, all day. (laughs) Um, I have ten tens. I'm very, very generous. Um, His House, Hereditary, Midnight Mass, Psycho, Get Out, Rosemary's Baby, The Monster Squad, I Saw the Devil, The Sixth Sense, and Midsommar. Okay. Not too shabby. No, yeah. I don't know why I didn't give Midnight Mass a ten. Yeah, that was, I was, that was surprising. Excellent. You both did like sevens or eights or nines or something like Interesting. that. Interesting. Um, Maybe I'm too traumatized by the religious trauma. I know, I know. Mm. So Jamie's <laughs> nines are Dogtooth, Rosemary's Baby, Pearl, Midsommar, and Army of Darkness. Hmm. Um, Nikisha, your nines are The Conjuring, Midnight Mass, Scream, Psycho, Behind the Mask, Midsommar, mm. Scream 6, The Last of Us Season 1, and The Descent. What did I put Pearl as? What am I doing with my life? I don't know. Pearl was an 8 for you. Oh, God. Okay. I'm going to reevaluate um, life now. <laughs> uh, yeah. My 9s are The Conjuring, Scream, Behind the Mask, Stranger Things Season 4, Barbarian, and The Last of Us Season 1. Yeah. Uh, and then we all have a ton of 8s. But... Mm. Can you guess what our least favorite three movies are that based on our um, 
based on our numbers that we gave. Some of these are going to be hard. You won't even remember we did these. Right, exactly. The most recent Halloween? No. Mm. Oh, wow. Oh. I just remember when we have really passionate conversations, but I couldn't tell you what movies. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. uh, the three bottom movies for the three of us really are The Conjuring 3. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Spiral. Oh, my God. from From the Book of Saw. And Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. Okay. Is that the most recent one? Yeah. The, like, yeah. reboot? Yup. Jamie mm-hmm. gave all of those zeros. <laughs> I'm so harsh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oops. Uh, Nikisha gave all of those. Uh, Nikisha gave Spiral and Paranormal Activity Next of Kin zeros. Hypnotic a zero. Jamie gave oh, Hypnotic a one. Uh, Nikisha gave Conjuring 301. Um, and Nikisha, you also um, gave Prey, Sick, and Knock at the Cabins one. Mm. I was feeling harsh that day for Knock at the Cabins. I know. <laughs> uh, I gave Spiral a zero. I gave Scream 301. Hypnot. I, I, I mean, it's so funny. I look at these, I'm like, oh, I would change so many of these. Like, Scream yeah. 301? Like, no. In comparison, um, I mean, we've, yeah. we've gone through a lot. We've had a journey. Yeah, you know, we our have. Tastes have changed or things, yeah. you know, in comparison. Yeah, like, like J- Jamie gave Scream 2 a 1.5. That seems, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm recording these wrong. <laughs> anyway. I'll, try to, I'll try to be better with my scoring. <laughs> No, no, no. I think it's interesting. Um, so my quick pop quiz, what was the first episode to air? And what was the first episode we recorded? The Conjuring. Right? Was what? Was the first to air? So that was a trick question. The uh, opening, our first day. The Conjuring and Saw came out together. Saw is technically oh, our first okay. episode, but they came out the same day. Uh, mm. um, tricky, but do you remember tricky. the first the first episode we recorded together? Mm-mm. Uh, no. Um, our first episode was The Lodge. Oh, oh. yeah. That we were, our first two episodes were The Lodge and um, Ready or... Uh, um, uh, ready or not. Oh, I love The Lodge. Such a great movie. Yeah. I will say, in going back in time with all this, um, now that I think about it, the most surprising movie that I didn't think I would love so much was Behind the Mask. That really got me. Yeah. Um, watching it for the first time, and uh, yeah, it was, it was just like, this is an incredible movie, and I'm so happy we got introduced to that, because that was... Um, introduced when we had a guest. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. haunting yes. season. Josh Bragg, that was a good haunting episode. season. Shout outs, yeah. shout outs to him. But um, that was a really uh, fun kind of surprise. Yeah, and one other movie I'll say was a huge surprise was His House. Um, oh yeah, mm-hmm. his. I don't think I would have watched or discovered His House as easily without doing this podcast. Yeah. And um, it's it's in, it's one of my top ten favorite horror movies of all time. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, this has really like put in perspective a lot of, you know, 
horror that I thought that I liked, horror that I'm glad I've been introduced to, horror that I'm like, okay, I can't do this yeah. <laughs> kind of horror. So, mm-hmm. and like I think a- we've gone through a good a good variety of things too, like something so, for everyone. Well, here's a question before we get into the shinning. Um, <laughs> what have you? Like, oh, my shins. <laughs> uh, shin splints. Um, is there? What have you learned from doing this about yourself and like your your like? What have you learned about yourself as a horror fan through this? Um, mm. uh, and answer that however you want. Yeah, Jamie, you go. Uh, I am a harsh critic. yeah i mean i would say the same for me too there's just so many movies that set the bar so then anything in comparison except for something that's nostalgic right then you're like okay Mm -hmm. i will die on this hill because i feel like jamie feels that way about evil dead it's like i will die on this hill you know Mm -hmm. yeah um but i don't know i think it's I, we definitely talked about this. The way that I watch movies now is different because of this podcast, especially oh, if yeah, I am sure. <laughs> watching a horror movie for this podcast. Um, so I'm definitely more invested in in how things are presented and the mental health aspect of it all so that mm-hmm. we can have a good conversation. Like that's been one thing that has but changed in me watching horror movies. What about you, Brian? Um, I think it's a couple things. One, uh, I think just the horror community that I've been introduced to and indoctrinated into on TikTok Mm -hmm. and all of that, like, has been, like, really, really fun. And I've learned that the horror community is one of the most accepting communities um, for many Mm. different reasons. But but they watch anything. Like, horror movie fans want to see every horror movie. It doesn't matter. And I think that's super cool for myself personally. um, I realize that I do not like eighties horror movies. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I just, I don't have the nostalgia for them the same way that I have for like nineties, early two thousands. And a movie needs to, uh, my favorite horror movies are horror movies that are that in the end say something. It's not mm-hmm. just about the slasher. It's not just about the blood and the guts or the, uh, you know, all that stuff. Um, my favorite ones are ones that are actually trying to say something or have a very specific point of view. Like, yeah. I don't know if Jaws is trying to say anything, but like, I mean, it is, but like, you know, but it, it's, it's a well-made movie. Um, this is a good, Shining's a good example of like, it's trying to say something and it's from her perspective, the Ari Aster movie, stuff like that. But like, like just these like willy nilly scare you to scare you movies, like don't, don't do it for me the same way that like really well crafted movies that have like, are really trying to say something, um, um, those really stick out to me in general. Mm-hmm. I also like everything. Even if I don't like something, I like oh. everything. Yeah. <laughs> also, everything is great. <laughs> also, everything is great. Like, mm-hmm. Paranormal Activity next time. to Ken stunk, but, like, there's things I remember that I liked about it. Like, that right. that that bedroom scene with the camera that she had. Like, that was a spooky stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, let's, 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 uh, did, did anyone watch anything, or do we just want to talk about The Shining? The Shining? Well, I mean, yes, Jenning. Well, we were going to talk about it anyway in, for Black Mirror. I did watch the first episode in the new season of Black Mirror, but that's oh, it. You Have you started yet? No. Okay. Mm-mm. We didn't start the new season. We, we, we're going to do this. Uh, you'll hear this episode next week, but we did see the blackening. 
Great. We bought our tickets. I messaged a whole bunch of people in my cast, my horror movie people. So we're all going to watch it together this week. And I'm super excited. Also, I did not need to watch anything horror because there was a bat in our theater that was flying around and that was horror enough for us. Oh, my God. And uh, yes, in Wichita, Kansas, there have been (laughs) tornadoes, warnings, sightings there. We have had bats, and they actually, we have a video of them catching the, the bat yesterday. It's been there the whole two weeks we've been there, and Whoa. at one point it flew around the stage during the show and then, you know, flew away. Spooky. But um, they finally caught it. It was outside the ensemble dressing room, and it was wild. Crazy. Yeah. So. Cool. Lots of bats. Um, <laughs> and everyone I, was like, Nikisha, I thought you liked spooky things. Like, why are you not? And I'm like, this I is don't different. want a bat, though, while I'm trying to sing Hamilton. <laughs> I'll um, watch horror. I don't want to be in it. That's crazy. I'm glad <laughs> that you didn't turn into a vampire or anything. I mean, I would love to be a vampire because right. hashtag Twilight forever. But yes, <laughs> we should. We should. We oh, we should. We should do that first movie at some point. I mean, the first I'm movie not is opposed. great. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I'm fully on board with that first movie. I think that first movie is a brilliant piece of pop culture. Truly, yes. everybody was on the same page. Anyway, they, we're not talking about that today. Yes. We're, we're, <laughs> another episode. Another episode. We're, no, we're talking great. about the shinning. So we're talking about the shinning, the shinning, but we need a plot summary. And I did it last time, so I'm tapping out. Who's going to do it? I'll do it. I'm happy to do it. What's the plot? Great. <laughs> All right. Jamie. Does somebody want to time me? I will. All right. All right, indeed. So Woo-hoo. you have, producer Brian, you have two minutes on the clock to tell us everything about the plot of The Shinning. Are you ready? Ready. Shins ready? You got your shin guards on? <laughs> shin guards, shin guards. on. <laughs> and go. Okay, so this guy named Jack Torrance gets a job as the caretaker for a um, resort in the middle of the basically Rocky Mountains. He's a writer. He's going to utilize it to basically try and write his book um, while he is there being the caretaker uh, with his wife and his young son. His young son has something called The Shining, where basically he we don't 100 percent know exactly what it is in this. um, But essentially, like he can like communicate with the beyond the dead. Um, It just has these like very supernatural esque powers. So they move into the hotel. um, They um, start to experience some spooky dookie stuff. Um, However, uh, Danny is talked to by the chef of the resort before they leave um, and they realize that they both have the shining essentially um, and so they're connected in some way so long story short there's a lot of cabin fever everyone's going a little bit crazy in there um, it's a very vast place where they're all kind of just like wandering around 
We learn um, that Jack is an alcoholic as well as uh, abusive, both physically and emotionally to his family. He stopped drinking. Um, He's trying to use this in some ways, maybe to like, you know, turn it around or turn his own life around selfishly or or selflessly, however you want to look at it. Um, But essentially, they all start getting haunted. There's a lot of things in the hotel. You know, you have room 237 uh, with the old woman. You have all these scenes. Long story short, he ends up going nuts because the former caretaker basically like haunts him um, and tells him to kill his family like the original caretaker killed his family he basically hunts his own family Um, they knock him out they lock him in he gets freed again you know he chases them here's Johnny and then at the end they end up running around the maze um, and he freezes to death the hedge maze and um, he also kills the other shining guy who was called back from by Danny Um, but Danny and the and Wendy survive Yay! That was okay. That was okay. Yes, that was great. (laughs) Listen, a lot. It's like a lot, but nothing happens because that's another thing we've learned from doing this. Like, Mm -hmm. like all horror movies are a lot, but nothing at the same time. Yeah, I think that depends. Yeah, that's true. But there's a lot, there are a lot of movies, maybe like 60, 40, 40 being the movies that are kind of like a lot, but nothing because you're not going to tell every kill. And that's like 45 (laughs) minutes of people just running around killing folks, you know, and that's not going to be kind of a part of the story in a sense. And only one person dies in this Two. Yeah. Just two people. Him. Well, him. And then the black guy. Yeah. I think is that I mean, that we actually see get killed in this. They're obviously like in dead the present. People. In the yeah. present, right? That's all the things yeah. that happened. Yeah, because we see the woman and we see the guy with like the slice down his head when you and know. We see like, the girls. And, the girls. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great. Well, let's get into our first segment, which is likes and gripes. <laughs> So, Jamie, do you want to start and tell us your likes and gripes of this movie? Sure. Um, I mean, like, what is... I I feel like everything that one can say about this movie has been said. But Mm -hmm. this is my time to shine, so who cares? Um, I... Your time to what? To shin. Shin. Um, (laughs) 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 I I really enjoy this movie. Um, I've seen it many, many, many times. I don't remember the first time that I saw it. Um, and I, it's just really interesting to, to pay attention to like their relationships, um, and like their relationships within the context of like this time period also, because like they have a very weird familial relationship. Um, at least for me, it just feels like everyone's a little bit disconnected and that's like Mm -hmm. where we're starting with things, even though we have some context of like, you know, Jack is potentially an alcoholic and is, you know, has quit gone cold Turkey and maybe is irritable and on edge as a result And how is that then like playing into because he previously injured his son, how his son relates to him as well as his wife. So it's like all of these triangles of relationship that feel super tense and it's 
a great like setting point and then seeing how things continue to devolve with the element of like the spookery in the midst. I really enjoy, um, I, you know, we talk a lot about like movies where the tension is building and, and I, that's something that I really enjoy. And that's like all of this, you know, there's little, you know, droplets of clues that are being sprinkled throughout and it just kind of like keeps escalating and escalating until the very end. And I also really enjoy that. Like it's where you said before, like things happen and then nothing happens. I, I view that more of just like, there's this constant tension that's building and building until it like explodes and then like chaos ensues. And, you know, everyone's, everyone's like running all over the place and, and, you know, trying to, trying to find one another or run away from one another. And like, it's just all like chaos happening. And also I love when, I love when the, the hotel, like, eventually reveals itself to Wendy. Um, I, I really enjoy that yeah. because it's like, it's not just that because on, on one hand, like let's say that she never saw any of that stuff and only Jack sees it. And, and then she's kind of like affirmed that maybe this is really who he was. Um, but I think more so I, I just like the spooky element of it too. So it's like, there's Mm -hmm. the part where maybe this is part of who he was, but like being in this particular space at this time, like unlocked all of this shit that then like just culminates in, in, you know, him trying to murder his entire family. Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely. So I... I really enjoy um, the fact that, like, she is exposed to everything that's happening and, like, is like, oh, everything is fucked up here. We got to go. And I think that, like, some of the best scares in this include, uh, you know, when Wendy finds Jack's manuscript that says, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. It makes me really, really feel for that PA who had to type all of that shit out on a typewriter. Cause you oh know, <laughs> you know that Stanley Kubrick was like, oh, we're hiring somebody to specifically do that task. Just um, that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really intrigued by The Shining. As someone who hasn't read this book, I haven't read Dr. Sleep. I have seen the Dr. Sleep movie where they like kind of dig deeper into it. So like, it's interesting to watch Dr. Sleep after The Shining, but then also revisiting The Shining after watching Dr. Sleep to Mm -hmm. have more context for like, what is The Shining, The Shining, and like, how does it work? Um, Right. And like, how is their relationship forming? Because also... (laughs) We, uh, oh, now I can't remember his name. Is it Tony? Um, Danny? The, the, the kid? No, Danny, oh. the voice in Danny's mouth. Tony? Oh, rad yeah. Rad. Uh-huh. Tony. Um, rad, 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 like, rad. not totally understanding who or what that is in mm-hmm. this. And then watching Dr. Sleep, and I still don't totally understand who Tony is. But just that he's, like, getting access to certain pieces of information. I mean, like, it seems like this, like, heightened degree of intuition um, that he happens to have that's, like, playing out in this way. I don't... I've been trying to think of, like, what do I think it is? Um, But because they're introducing this, like, telepathy element, I don't think that this is, like, a... Like, one might wonder, like, is this a a symptom of um, a hallucination or something? But I don't think that's what is happening here. Um, 
from like a mental health standpoint, I, that yeah. like that's not what I think it is. But um, I guess I don't really know what it is. But I do like that he says that he has a little voice that speaks out of his mouth. Um, I love that you said that. I just want to <laughs> say because that was something I was going to ask, but I didn't know mm. how to ask. Mm-hmm. What would the shining kind of be in this if if we had to diagnose it or you had a, a kid come in and the parents are saying they're exhibiting A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like, what is that? But yeah, yeah. I, I will also say that like Wendy is totally fine with it and describes it as an imaginary friend. And so I think there's right. also the context of like child development. How old is Danny? And is it still like developmentally appropriate for him to have an imaginary friend um mm-hmm. and like how is he referring to it because like on one hand you can you can you know view that as like that's a typical you know like process in development where he's you know he has this imagination and like developing his own I- identity from others and like what does that look like in play um and that being separate from like responding to something that only he sees, uh, mm-hmm. but like that it's normalized because he's a kid, and mm-hmm. and it's I think it's also much harder to like officially diagnose a lot of uh, like mental illness in children because of a lot of like developmental things that are going on. Um, yeah, absolutely. So you know that's that's probably also another thing. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, I feel like I'm jumping the gun and getting into um, brains. But brains. <laughs> in terms of uh, other things I enjoy, I mean, I just like this is a classic. You, you know, everyone is bringing their A game. Um, like really, I mean, I I feel like the real MVP in this is Shelley Duvall. Like, of course, it's it's mm-hmm. fascinating to watch. Jack Nicholson, like, devolve and and slowly lose his mind. But Shelley Duvall is excellent. And there's so much, like, discourse about, like, you know, what her experience was on this set and things like that. But she truly gives a, like, an epic once-in-a-lifetime performance in this film. And, mm-hmm. and she, for me, is the primary, like, tension builder. It's, like, her, like, having these conversations. Every time she goes, like, she's about to go bother Jack – I even use the word bother because I'm so scared for her to, to engage with him because I know what she's going to get. And she's like still it just like makes me so nervous for her. And like she is she just like takes everything so hard. And then like once it escalates, like just that pure shock and horror that she's experienced. It's it just so good. Um, it, truly an excellent performance from her. Um, also- yeah, I don't know. Also with Shelley Duvall, like it does if he if we're just watching this man go crazy in an, in a resort hotel by himself, like we don't really care. The reason we sure. care and the tension, like you just said, is because of the reactions of her and her kind of seeing all this happen through her eyes. Like, yeah, that's an excellent point that like the fear is coming from how we feel about her and the boy's safety versus mm-hmm. like how nutso he's going. Yeah. But I really like this movie. I, I I don't know why I can't think of something that I don't. Oh, I mean, I don't like the racism in the movie. <laughs> I forgot. I, mean, I, like, <laughs> I blocked that out and then I blocked it out again right now. And I was like, what did I not like? Oh, right, right, right. I don't like that. And so it makes me uncomfortable. Um, and yeah. then I can't remember it. But yeah, don't like that. Um, I don't like that the only like character of color dies with the exception of Jack. But like he freezes to death. But like. 
yeah, you hate you hate to see the tropes you be troping. Tro- um, <laughs> yes, the once again, but uh, yeah. So I don't like those things. I mean, it's like part of the plot, but I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, it's of the time too, so it, it's not. It doesn't feel like it comes out of nowhere. Sure, because if they're back in what the twenties, thirties, or whatever the time is, like when everybody's when when Jack is in the bar and talking oh, to the oh, people. That he's oh, definitely, like, oh, I was like, yeah. isn't he in the 80s? Yeah, no, 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 sorry. Well, but when 70s. they like actually use like the N-word, like it's mm-hmm. the guy it's from... The, from 1921. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, it's not out of nowhere. That's of that time period. So yeah. it didn't bother me as much. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, do, I do think that... I don't think that the death of... What's his name? Dick Halloran... Mm-hmm. would bother me as much from a race standpoint if they didn't use the N-word earlier in the movie. Like, mm. that casts a different view of it on there because, I mean, there's, you know, but but also, it also depends on, like, do you think that, what's his name, Grady? What's the name of the... the um, Grady? The oh, yeah, Grady is the former caretaker. Yeah, so yeah. If, we're, if we're assuming that Grady kill, if we're assuming that Grady kind of possessed him and that's why he kind of went mad, like, that was, not only was he trying to kill the person who um, came, like, was connected to Danny and brought was trying to save them and whatnot, but also that was racially motivated as well because, yeah. like, of the words he was using earlier. But, like... But even but then but the thing is that it doesn't matter because Jack also responded with those words. Therefore, whether he was uh, whether he was uh, under the influence of the supernatural or whether he was just going crazy, like they both mm-hmm. had like very similar. Um, you know, now that I think about it, it's fascinating that like he used that word back to him because mm. like we don't know what type of a guy like Jack really is. We can assume what kind of person he is and and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, but like that almost felt like when he's cleaning him off, like in the bathroom, that may have been like if you believe that he was taking over him in some ways, like that's kind of the transference of it in that moment. And he started mm. using the words that he uses. Um, yeah. You know, it's unfortunate that it's that word. You know what I mean? But like, right, right, um, right. That, that's it, it, it. It's it's you know, even as we talk about that moment, which could have totally been very different and still had the same effect. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's just interesting to kind of like even pick apart that specific scene, focusing on the racism. Hmm. Yeah, and it is interesting thinking about like when is the moment that he kind of fully becomes possessed. Because we don't really see Grady, like, you know, it doesn't feel like a, a, a ghost movie in a sense of the ghost has been haunting them, like, from the beginning. It's like they had a few days of being okay, and Grady doesn't really show up until kind of later on. So I guess my question to you guys is when, when do, you, do you feel like Grady was the only thing that led him to fully become crazy or was it the combination of already being isolated and having like writer's block trying to, you know, write or do whatever and being in the wintertime. And then that kind of led to the hallucinations getting worse just on top of the current circumstance. Does that make sense? Yeah. What do you think it is? You think it was like a combination of all of that or was it purely just like 
Grady was there kind of the whole time. We just don't see him physically until kind of later at the end. What do you think, Jamie? I don't know. I guess I think um, maybe it was there and then like the cabin fever kind of escalated all of it. Mm. There's so much that we don't know about like the circumstances of him drinking beforehand that I feel like that's a really important piece. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that it's a combination of everything. I think that the moment that, I mean, it depends on how you see this movie and what you think this movie is about. But Mm -hmm. I think that the break is really, um, I I don't know, because he sees the, he's, because he sees the woman in the room. Does he see the woman in the room before or after the bartender shows up? After the bartender shows up. Okay. Okay. So to me... Because he's drinking. He's sitting at the bar after Wendy accuses him of assaulting their son and he's drinking. Mm. And then she comes back. She doesn't apologize. And she just says, there's there's somebody else in the hotel with us. Okay. So this is... So I think that the moment that he thinks... The moment that his family thinks that he's hitting his kid again or, or being rough with his kid again is the breaking point for him because he's already starting to go a little cuckoo, you know, like, mm-hmm. like just in terms of uh, like cabin fever. The the you know, it's all circumstantial because Danny has the shining, but Danny's also been brought to this very haunted place. Yes. So like it's kind of like putting like a bull in a china shop where like you this is not a scenario in which they should have put their son you know with the mm-hmm. shining um right. so i think that he's making it even more of a you know like he's amplifying i should say like all the ghosts and stuff like that so i think that the moment that like this really starts to affect him is when he starts seeing the bartender he really wants a drink the bartender manifests in front of him with alcohol you know what i mean whether or not he's actually mm-hmm. drinking it cuz whether the alcohol is real or not um, is another right. question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's a combination of everything. Um, uh, I think it's a combination of everything. But we've talked about this in so many episodes that, like, the people who get possessed first are the most vulnerable people. And you'd think mm-hmm. that Wendy was the most vulnerable or the kid was. Exactly. But it's actually Jack who's the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Because, like, he yeah. has no direction. He feels like he can't drink. He... You know, he's he he even admits at the end that I don't I think that's all him when he yells at her saying, like, you fucked up my life. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, like, take back what I want. You ruined it. Whether that means that, like, she ruined it by having a son with him or if she mm. ruined it by like there's so many ways to, like, take, you know, that. Um, but that that's kind of my interpretation of it in general. I also think. I just spoiler alert. My thought on this movie is that it's really about. Um, balance, family balance, and like mm. letting it told in a very aggressive way. Um, but like just like 
balancing the life that you want to have with the life that you're sharing with other people and like mm-hmm. the work life balance. And even if you have all the time in the world, you still, it's, it's about, it's like, it, it's about finding that balance and whatnot. You know, I think there are other things to look at in that, but I think that that is something that it could very well be about. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with, um, your comment about it just being a combination of everything, but it does take me back to, who is Jack as a person? And I'll quickly go through my likes and gripes yeah. because one of them was about like, is Jack just a shitty person, like a, a, mm. a, a shitty husband or? Yes. yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> okay. Well, yes. <laughs> the end. <clears throat> yes, 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 yes. Or was it just the hotel? But I mean, we get all the information from before, but even still, even though he says he's been sober for, or they, or she said he's been sober for five months, you can still see remnants of him just being an asshole in general, you know, and mm. her just kind of staying with him just, just because, just like the cigarette butt was just staying on there, you know that meme where they're always talking yeah. about how uh, <laughs> all the ashes just are still them. on there. Yeah, yeah, the ashes just staying on there, you know, mm. that's her and him, but. I, uh, the, the thing that really got me this go around, cause I've, this is maybe my second or third time watching this hmm. movie all the way through, but I've watched it as an adult all times. I never watched it. This when I was a kid is the scoring. The scoring Ooh. is, is absolutely fantastic. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The opening, um, is this little melody called the Dies Irae, And that's like the song of the dead. And it's just a standard little that happens and you know that like death is near or that's like the signal of death Mm -hmm. and for that to be the opening of the movie was just absolutely fantastic coupled with the beautiful mountains and then like creepy sounds but you're seeing all this physical beauty and Mm -hmm. then hearing all this creepy stuff happening in the back and so I thought that was a really nice setup for everything Um, and I also that reminded me of Get Out when they're driving through the mountains before like all the shit is about to go down. So I felt Mm -hmm. like that was kind of like a good influence there. It's like seeing Jordan Peele kind of take from the shining stuff. Same thing in Midsommar where they're driving and then like the camera like starts flipping and stuff like that. mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Love those shots. I love the chapter title cards. Uh, Mm -hmm. I thought that was really great to know. Like here we are in the story, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Yes. We, I'm doing something here. Um, we, uh, I loved that too, Nikisha. I think that's really mm-hmm. helpful for narrative and context, but also for Absolutely. tension purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I feel like it's really helpful to track the days, especially when it's about when when in the end your movie is about time. Um, yes. You know, mm-hmm. like, like just how long did this happen? Uh, why did this happen expedite so quickly? They've been there for a month. Why did it expedite so quickly over this week? Exactly. Like, um, and then in the end, it's also about time with the final shot of, you know, the July 4th, 1921 party or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I wonder if that's that. because, like, uh, in terms of timing, I wonder if part of it is just the, because the snowstorm hit that essentially, like, bound them to the hotel like they couldn't Mm. leave that that is like the thing that then sets it off like before that they have the 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 ability to leave and so like there's still there's still a chance but like once once all hope is lost like that's then when the the world falls apart yeah 
Yeah, yeah. that's that's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Jamie it already is mentioned really this. Good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great point, Jamie. Uh, we've already mentioned this, but the the creepy voice that Danny gives for his friend Tony is fantastic and wild, and I love it. Because uh, red I rum agree. forever. <laughs> I agree. Uh, the elevator bloodshot will always be one of my favorite cinematic shots in horror movie history because mm-hmm. it's just so beautiful. Something about blood and elevators, you know, it's just Ooh-wee. makes me happy every time. Blood Do we know how much elevator. how much uh, liquid they they use for that? Does anyone no. know? No, is that I'm a thing? Look at that. Sure. How much? Blood. <laughs> How much blood? Elevator uh, scene. Uh, oh, and the, oh wow! Do you have a guess? Oh, gallons. In gallons? Yeah. Five. What? Five gallons. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> that's like a one. That's like five water jugs. Just a water jug. <laughs> um. Uh, uh, <laughs> Brian. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we have five gallons. Five. Just five. Uh, like, a, like a thousand gallons. A splash. <laughs> so we have one splash, a thousand gallons. The correct answer is about 3,000 gallons Got and it. possibly much more. So cool. a little bit more than five. But <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. thousands. That's, mm-hmm. that's really crazy. I wonder, I would love to have just known that whole filming process of... How long did it take for that to happen? How many shots? Or did was it just one foul swoop in? It's like, you either get it or you don't, mm. you know, yeah. type of shots with that much blood. But more so, um, I mean, not just with the filming, like, where did all of that blood come from in in this hotel? Like, wh- what right. <laughs> what has caused that amount of blood to build up and then yes. explode? But, like, whose blood is that? I mean... It's the blood that has been taken from people in the resort, I guess. Mm. Also, all, all those people. This movie is not believable now because no resort would close. Now, because oh, what? sure. For the season? Now, in today's oh, yeah. world, no resort would ever close for the season, like, unless no. it's like a sleepaway camp or something like that. But, like, <laughs> like, because now they still have, like, Winter rates and stuff like that, just to get people oh, out of the sure. house. And like, capitalism would not allow for that anymore. No, even if there's a snowstorm, like they're having people figure that get yeah. get the path clear they, for everybody to be able to. Yeah, they got come, an activities department. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yes, and speaking of just things in uh, filming stuff in general, the Danny riding through the like third person view in the hotel, oh, yeah, on the little bike, you can watch fantastic. that forever. The makeup on the dead woman was so great. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that moment, but coming back to it, it was wonderful. Um, so one thing that really took me out of it, though, and I love Shelley Duvall, and it's great, but at one point, I think when she was running with the knife, it was just that typical damsel in distress, <laughs> like, oh, run. Sure. And I was just like, this is, no, please. You're not running like this oh, in, in distress. That, that, that can't be it. <laughs> Um, and like Jamie, to Jamie's point, I do like that they all start to see the thing. So Shelley Duvall starts to see all the, the people as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I would love a, a little bit more gore, but this movie still holds up very well. And, you know, I love the idea of all the spirits trapped into the hotel. So, yeah. Brian, you're like some gripes. Sure. I'll just start with my gripes because um, it's easier. Um, the bake, the, the bake, 
The bat <laughs> is so fake that she's holding. She's like swinging it, and it's oh, yeah. like it's like bending. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think that I. I so his. Historically, Stephen King hates this adaptation of The Shining because mm-hmm. it deviates so much from the book. But his main thing is that he doesn't feel like it shows the Jack character actually going insane. Um, mm. And I actually agree with that. I, I don't think that this movie does a great job of showing the stages of him going crazy because, like, he kind of just starts, like, weirdly staring at them immediately. I think it does a better yeah, job. Yeah, like, drooling, like... Yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Like, I, I, I think we needed more pre-him being accused uh, by, by Wendy of, like, touching their son again, like, like abusing their son again, versus, um, like, putting his hands on him. Um, before that, I'm just missing some very, like, key moments. And I don't need, like, it... I don't need it phoned in, but I think I am missing some key moments of like how we got there. Um, mm. You know, you mm. can fill in the blank yourself with like it, the hotel's just driving you nuts. Like he's just he's just you know he he wants a drink. You know, there are ways to fill it, but I, I do think it just needed like something a little bit extra there. Again, but it's made up with the tone and the character in general. Um, mm. um, I love that this movie, even though it came out in 1980, this feels like a 70s movie. One hundred percent. Yes, um, absolutely. Everything about it. Of course, it's built on an Indian burial ground. Why wouldn't oh it be God. built on an Isn't Indian that? burial ground? Like bad juju, I guess. Like, what are you doing? Um, uh, you know, again, that I love. It really shows the vastness and the emptiness really well. Again, the tone mm. of this movie allows for me to fill in the blanks with the Jack kind of going crazy. Um, just in general. Um, I really like the scene where Wendy's talking herself up to leave him. Um, mm-hmm. um, I think that um, the Shelley Duvall's excellent, I wrote. Um, so I hadn't seen this since I was a kid in full. And so this was my first time really watching it with like adult filmmaker eyes. Like I, I like, I, like, like, like mm. cri- criticisms and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, or sophisticated movie watching eyes or whatever you want to call them, private eyes. Uh, (laughs) And then, uh, but uh, some things, what I think makes this movie amazing is the camera placement and image composition. Um, Hmm. You have that incredible, every time that somebody is running towards something, the camera is right there in their face, like at the Mm -hmm. end in the maze. Anytime someone's running away from something, you're really at the point of view, like, of the person behind them. Um, You have that amazing uh, shot where he's in the storage locker trying to talk to her, um, and the camera is underneath him. He's like leaning against the door and then she's there. But the door from the outside is is in the foreground and out of focus. Just like yeah. amazing. Also, we talked about him riding the tricycle through the, the house like that's like. All the, but they're they're all such iconic shots because of the composition, like like yeah. completely, absolutely just gorgeous. Um it just and and that's what makes those scenes memorable. Plus the performances, obviously, but um, even just the shot of him in the door, you know, the "Here's Johnny" type thing, um, mm-hmm. and the editing is amazing in this movie. Um, Wendy is running away from the guest through the doors, 
um, through the, the guest she finally sees with like the uh, cut across the head holding the drink. Yeah. Um, and as she's running away from the guest, the camera cuts to Danny running away from his dad. And it was like these like two amazing um, juxtapositions to each other. It was a seamless edit. Like stuff on that stuff like that makes this movie incredible. Um, mm-hmm. I think that this movie is a thematically is a lot simpler than people make it out to be possibly but I think that the plot and the story is incredibly complicated like and we just try to talk through a lot of it um there's a documentary called Room 237 and it's about not only the making of The Shining but it's about different people's interpretations of The Shining so Mm. I actually agree with the filmmaker I watched this a couple years ago I agree with the filmmaker because his personal take on it is um is about juggling the quote his name is um uh, Rodney Asher, um, juggling the responsibilities of your career and family as a cautionary tale of what may happen if you make the wrong choice. And the ghosts could be seen as figures that represent fortune or prestige or things that you might mm. be chasing at the expense of paying proper attention to your family. Um, I, I mm. think that's an interesting take on it. Um, but this this documentary goes through um, the idea that... Um, you know, he 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 leaves a lot. Kubrick leaves a lot of details on the table, like from the book. Um, you know, um, the, the one aspect of it is somebody sees it as a, as a movie about cultural assimilation of Native Americans. Um, just because there's a lot of Native American visuals in this movie, like on the walls of the hotel. Um, you know, like, in, you know, and they mentioned it was built on a burial mound um, mm-hmm. and and that kind of stuff. Um, another one is that there's this there's this rumor that Stanley Kubrick is the person that filmed the, quote, fake moon landing. Like they hired him to direct it. And some hmm. people and some people are looking to clues <clears throat> this movie. And people think that he the reason he def- he he went so far away from kind of Stephen King's novel in places is because this is actually a movie about keeping a secret. And Stanley Kubrick is like, is like projecting him having kept this huge secret um, through this movie. I think that's on him, okay. but like, I think that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, also people see it as like a, a, um, a minotaur analogy or al- a, um, allegory because the hedge maze is not in the book. But the hedge maze is in the movie, um, and, they, hmm. and there's like some there's like some minotaur type of um, visuals in this movie in general. Um, yeah. Also, people think this is a movie about genocide because apparently Stanley hmm. Kubrick wanted to make a Holocaust movie and he never got to. And like people say, like like this is his way of like, you know, showing genocide and stuff like that. Okay. I, I think That's all of these so are far-fetched. like. I think all of these are very far fetched, um, mm-hmm. yeah. but I, but it's it's a. I guess my point is is this movie means such different things to so many people because it's sure. because it's so well made and it's so specific and vague at the same time that people kind mm-hmm. of like put their own things on it, um, right. but it's still that tone and that fear um, still comes across, and I, I think that is kind of part of its legacy as well. Mm. Well, I don't know what kind of... Uh, that's not a parlor talk, but I feel like that deserves <laughs> something. <laughs> it's our 100th episode. I'll throw in a parlor talk. 
Come sit, have a drink. It's parlor talk. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Cool, 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 cool. Fantastic. Well, Brian, do you have any other of your own um, personal likes and before we get into brains? I don't, but I have two questions for the group. Ooh. Um, uh, is Jack Nicholson's performance still effective because he's become such a caricature of himself, like in, in general, in pop culture? Do you ever, do you just see the like smirks and the lines <clears throat> and the like, you know, like, do you, does, does the, does the, you know, hey, uh, that's my Jack Nicholson. <laughs> no, um, I get, I mean, I get, yeah, yeah I get it, I get um, it. Nikisha's thinking, but she didn't notice my amazing Jack Nicholson impression. <laughs> I'm sorry. There was, <laughs> no, I was really trying to think. No, no, no. Um, yeah, but you understand my question. Like, is it still effective yes. or is it like, or is it affected by your current, you know, knowledge and pop culture, you know, Nick Jack Nicholson. Well, you know, I'll say this. I haven't watched a lot of Jack Nicholson movies. I understand the gestures, caricature, his isms that are now a thing, mm. but I never thought about that once watching this movie. So I guess for me, it, it was fine. I, I thought it was a good performance and it didn't feel like he was putting on or, you know, no, nothing that he is known for now got in the way of me enjoying this movie. Cool. Yeah. Jamie. Yeah, I think I agree. Like, I think this is, even if he's built up to like who he is now, like, I feel like I can watch this in the context of when it came out, when he made this and like, he wasn't that then he was just, you know, a really good actor. Yeah. Right. Um, I think I feel the same way. Um, yeah. I feel like other movies, I, I feel like the here's Johnny moment could be funny now because it's been made fun of so many times. Like, right, sure. Like sometimes watching Scream is hard because like we talk about it, I think of Scary Movie and a lot of those yes. other things. Um, running away. This movie is so well made that like I I don't feel that way about this. Like this movie still tracks as a as its own narrative without th- the outside coming in. Hmm. Yeah. That's um, that. That's Did you uh, have another question? I, I did, but it's part of um brain, so I'll let you introduce that. <laughs> Great. Well, let's get into it with our next section, um brains. Mm, tasty. tasty. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Right, that's so, thing. I, yeah, because it has to be. They're tasty. Uh, so, my first question to you, Jamie, is Cabin Fever. You know, there's a movie about it, there's so many movies about it. Um, and this one is the same, but I want to know your personal definition of what cabin fever is. And is it an actual term that is used in the psychology world? Or is that just something that we have all made up to describe this thing? Yeah. I mean, I think that like our understanding of cabin fever is like what happens when you are isolated or like confined to a space for a long period of time. Um, as a result, you might feel like restless or irritable or lonely, um, or have difficulty mo- like with motivation, depressed, um, boredom, anxiety, 
it can encompass a lot of things. Um, it's not like an official diagnosis, so you're not going to read it in the DSM. Um, but oh, I the think DSM that five. a good old DSM, I still don't even mm. own the DSM five. I think it's probably still too expensive, which is nuts for, nuts. you know, cause this is, this do be my job and I don't even have the little book. So whatever. Right. Somebody help Jenny um, out. Get her the DSM five. <laughs> I still have my yeah. four. I have the four. It's not that, you know, out of, out of date, out of touch, but, uh, yeah, you know, for sure. <laughs> um, mm. but so while it's not like an official diagnosis, um, I, I think it's still like, like everybody, kn- most people know what it is. Um, and like can understand what that experience is like, like what the emotional and, and behavioral effects of cabin fever are. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, you know, but it's like based in context, right? So it's like, it's not something, I, I mean, I think that's something that also perhaps is why it's not, it's not a diagnosable thing is like, if you have the ability to leave wherever you are and like not be confined, that that is one of the biggest like ways to resolve it. Um, yeah. But like, you know, bringing up COVID and all of that, like when there's something that forces all of us to stay inside, that that loneliness and hopelessness can can really build. And like the especially yeah. like isolation, if you're not only is it like you you can experience cabin fever as a result of being confined with other people, but like on top of that, if you're alone, then the isolation can also really significantly impact your mental health. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I mean, we could talk for days about the effects of COVID and, you know, how that everyone had to deal with that in their own particular way, uh, in regards to cabin fever, but so many other questions I want to ask you. So I want to get into auto hypnosis and I don't remember the exact content or con, uh, context, excuse me, that the doctor at the beginning, Danny's doctor was saying that word, but I wanted to know if that was a thing. And then I would love to know what kind of doctor that was that Danny had because she, she was talking about medical things, but also uh, mental health and behavioral things. And so like, was she a psychiatrist? Like, I don't know. What were your thoughts? Yeah. So I don't really know what auto hypnosis is. The mm-hmm. quote that she says it, she says they're more akin to auto hypnosis, a kind of self-induced trance. And I really have no idea what she's talking about because, <laughs> yeah. like, the context of that is he has that vision before they go to the hotel. Danny does um, mm-hmm. when he's like brushing his teeth, and right. I'm assuming that he probably has like a seizure as a result of like that's like how I read that situation. Yes, um, but then. Yeah, like he's he's lying down and she's examining him on the bed and then having that conversation. Um, right. So I don't I don't know if it's like a psychological thing that she's referring to or if it's like a medical thing that she's referring to because like a seizure is a medical thing. Um, right. And and like and also you know any type of mental health professional or doctor is always going to rule out physical health stuff before mm-hmm. exploring mental health stuff. 
So I can't, I, I couldn't really tell if like what she's referring to is like a, a health, a medical related symptom. Um, like maybe, you know, maybe he had a seizure and like is, is not totally back a hundred percent conscious and like is recovering yes. from that. And I don't know if that's what she's referring to. So I, d- I don't entirely know what she's referring to. I also couldn't really tell what kind of doctor she was. I think I always kind of assumed she was like a pediatrician. Um, okay. mm-hmm. not, not a mental health doctor. Yeah. I don't know. It was just something that she was asking ab- ab- about kind of some mental health things. And I was like, wait a minute, because I also was like, Oh, it's just a pediatrician, but yeah. I well, I wonder if she ask. did that because she couldn't see, cause she couldn't like diagnose anything physically wrong with him. Uh, and so yeah, like yeah, yeah. by okay, virtue okay. of like, you know, doing a physical exam and then being like, well, there's nothing medically wrong with him. So maybe it is psychological. Like once she ruled mm. out anything medical, she like pivoted into the mental health piece. But yeah. it, that isn't totally clear to me either. Okay. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> it's more than what I thought. <laughs> it's the best I got. I'll take it. I got it. Um, <laughs> okay. So my last question is when Shelley Duvall is explaining the physical abuse that her husband um, has done to their son to the doctor, and you can see on her on the doctor's face of just like, what the hell? <laughs> Would she have been required to report that or or not? Was it is it okay to not report that? <laughs> so I I actually don't 100% have maybe the most accurate information. So okay. my understanding is like as a mandated reporter, um, the obligation to report is on suspect of child abuse. So that doesn't even mean like investigate it because that's not your role as a mandated reporter. Your role is right. just like if there's – if you have a suspicion – then you're obligated to report. And like by mm-hmm. virtue of reporting, then, you know, the the child protective worker who's receiving the report then, you know, can do the the digging and investigate. And like if that means go to the house, if, if that means talk to the family, if that means like interview the doctor, like all of that stuff. So right. based on like the information that she's – that Shelley Duvall is reporting, like it seems like in that moment – Perhaps she's like almost like undermining the story by saying like, well, it was just like an accident and like, you know, Danny was being a little shit and it's fine. (laughs) Like she's like really like, well, you know, Danny was being super annoying and like threw his papers everywhere. And so like he was upset. Um, Mm -hmm. Like she kind of downplays the severity of it. And I could potentially see maybe someone like a doctor hearing that and you know, not reporting something that had happened nine months ago. Um, Mm -hmm. I would probably do a little bit more digging of like, so has like there been any other things going on in recent times that makes you concerned about what could be happening? And like, you know, again, even though there's no obligation, but like, I'm also, I'm going to do my due diligence enough in in like a safe way. Like you want to keep it so that it's not, potentially causing like a rift in the relationship so you could get enough information because like in in outside of movies life like it can be really challenging to make those reports families know what the risk is of like you know 
people like man, David reporters finding out information and like the risk is your child can be removed from your home. So it creates a very precarious situation. Um, that's, that can be really hard to, to navigate. Like best practice says that you should tell the family that you're making the report. But I also know of circumstances where like, that's not always possible because then the, the child is like more at risk. Um, so you really have to like, it's a lot of nuance, um, in, in that process. But in that moment, it seems like the doctor has a good enough relationship with Wendy's character that like, she doesn't seem to be more concerned from that conversation, but like who knows in reality. Okay. I will take that as well. I mean, it was just such a shocking thing to, of how casual she said everything too. Yeah. Of like, this is just a day to day and oh yeah, well it happened because of this and Mm -hmm. he was doing this. And so this was the reaction. So Um, And I guess it's also, it's a different time too, I guess now thinking about it because like that's in the 1980s and of of course we have kind of like evolved even more as far as, you know, how the system is as far as reporting child abuse and and all of those things. So uh, yeah, it was just a very shocking thing up front. I was like, I don't even remember, I don't remember this my first go around of how crazy it was. Mm -hmm. But again, watching movies differently because of this podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) beautiful. That's all my questions for Mm brains. Brian, did you have some questions? I went for you. Yeah. Yes. Performance wise and script wise on this, there's a lot of repetition, whether it is somebody repeating the same thing back to the person. Jack does that Mm -hmm. a lot to Wendy, either taunt her or whatever it is. Um, and then there's a lot of repetition of lines, like give me the bat, give me the bat, and and things like that. Um, I guess can you talk a little bit about like in, from a performance standpoint and an acting standpoint, repetition? How is that helpful? What does it mean? How can you make it mm-hmm. interesting? You know, uh, can can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, repetition is an acting style that is most use in like Meisner technique, which I am not super familiar with, but I know that in, when you take those classes, they, um, one of the first kind of exercises you do is just say a phrase and you repeat that phrase back and forth with a scene partner until you reach a moment where you feel like you have to say something else or something changes in how you say it. And it's a very thin line because a lot of people, when they say you have to repeat something, want to immediately like make it different for different sake, you know? Mm. And I think Jack Nicholson does a great job of really... I think the the repetition is services his insanity a lot. So him repeating the phrases, I don't ever think like, oh my God, why is he just saying this over and over again? Mm-hmm. I think I attribute that to his character as someone who is now like insane and has one thing on its on his mind and it's like the destruction of these people, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
But I also want to say, and I'm so glad you're asking me this question because I thought about that in the scene where she has the bat and they're going up the stairs. Yeah. And so like she's her only tactic is trying to like get him away from her and he's just trying to get to her. And whatever is said in that is just said, but their tactics, you know, the, the shot is the same. Her trying to get away from him and her trying to get him trying to get to her. And I love how she'll say something, but he'll kind of mimic what she says. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forgot what the words were. And it wasn't like, give me the bat, but like she yeah. would say something in a, in a specific way. And then he would just kind of mimic her and say that right back, trying mm-hmm. to like teasing her, taunting her. So on top of like physically trying to get to her, he's like emotionally getting to her as well, like mimicking her. And that's part of his tactic. And in those moments, I also think that it's it might have been like a little bit of improv as well. Because to me, when mm. I saw that scene, it felt like the director was saying, Shelly, you just need to get up to the stairs and Jack, you just need to get to Shelly. And roll, roll camera. And so she's in a panic saying whatever she wants to say. And, and he is, you know, just using whatever his tactic is of emotionally or, or verbally, you know, um, abusing her, trying to get to her physically. And um, to me, that whole moment just felt like a really nice kind of improv going back and forth. And I think it is really effective uh, in, the, in that context, you mm-hmm. know, because I don't feel like people were repeating stuff just to repeat stuff. It didn't feel like, um, you know, it was just repetition for repetition's sake. It felt like people had a tactic uh, to it. But, yeah. What do yeah. you think, Brian? Uh, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think that, like, mm-hmm. I think a lot... This this movie and the dialogue feel, all feels very organic, especially in, this, in, the, yeah. in the third act. Like, it, it, it nothing that they say doesn't feel scripted. Um, you yes. know, and, and even the... And I think the curse words help that, like, help that feeling. Cause like, it's just like, mm-hmm. it's all their pure emotion is just like coming out in those moments, both physically right. and verbally. Um, so I think there's that also, and this is going to sound crazy maybe not, but like their <laughs> costuming is so excellent in this movie. Everybody hmm. is wearing something that I think they would wear. It doesn't feel like a costume. It all feels lived in like mm. him with his jacket and his flannels and the jeans, like being not like you know, not being these fitted jeans or not being like too baggy, like, Oh, I guess he's like a working man. He's in his bag. you like, he, it all feels very lived in and worn. And I think mm-hmm. that also visually helps me buy into the organic nature of these scenes, especially in act three. Yeah. We love those overalls, Shelly. <laughs> 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 Great times. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rotten tomatoes guys. Yeah. Let's do yeah, rotten yeah. tomatoes. Yay, yay. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. Uh, what do you think The Shining has? I'm so sorry. What do you think The Shining, the Shining? has on uh, Rotten Tomatoes? Nikisha? 92. All right, Jamie? Uh, 94. Uh, it has an 82. Wow. Oh. Uh, but the audience score is a 93. Right in the middle. <clears throat> right. Right. Uh, though it deviates from Stephen King's novel, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining is a chilling, often Baroque journey into madness, exemplified by an unforgettable turn from Jack Nicholson. 
Nice. Yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll say this. <laughs> Though it deviates from Stephen King's novel, is only in there because Stephen King doesn't like it. Ah, I feel like mm-hmm. I, I, I do not make sure they know. Yeah, yeah. I do <laughs> not care if this deviates from the novel. Like, like exactly. This is a movie. It's an adaptation of the novel. I don't care about that. It's a movie. Let me tell you, it's a. It's not a movie with Maria Menounos. <laughs> oh God. Um, it's a film with a capital F. Yeah. Uh, Man, she really has the the market on pre movie content. <laughs> um. Uh, cool. All right. Should we do the four S's? Yeah. Yes. Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> okay. The four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Uh, we are going to rank those one through ten. Skulls is how do you think it hen- handles mental health and behavior. Scares is how scary is this. And shakes is, you know, will you shake it off? Will you remember it? This is a shake it off. off. Shake it off. This is, that's our off, era. Off, off. Our era's tour. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Jamie, why don't you go first? Skulls, scares, and shakes. Yeah, so for Skulls, I'm giving it, um, I just changed it. I'm giving it a 6.5, I think, because I think there's, uh, people aren't always, like, learning things about other people, um, Mm. and there's elements that don't feel wholly real, but I think, like, Fair. when things really escalate, well, like, Shelley Duvall's character is really, like, running throughout that hotel. And I'm like, why aren't you running faster to your son? Like, go find right. him. Where is he? Um, but, like, again, <laughs> I haven't been in... I haven't been in a situation where, like, my husband has lost his mind and is chasing after me with an axe. So I feel like it's happens. hard It's hard for me to judge That's and say that goal. I wouldn't think that way. That's my goal. My <laughs> yes. goal is to never do that. <laughs> um, I think for scares, I just changed it again. I'm going to give it a five because um, I think Ooh. I've seen this movie so many times and, like, I – this is this is like including like all watches like I it's hard not to it's just such a classic horror movie with with so many good like like you mentioned the soundtrack is so scary and like mm-hmm. I got jump scared um, by a beat and wasn't expecting it even though I knew what was gonna Ooh. happen the music actually got me before the thing got me um, mm-hmm. so I feel like that bumps it up and then for shakes I'm giving this an eight this is like uh, you know. You're never really going to forget it, except for the racism, which I did forget, unfortunately. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Nikisha. Cool. That's me. I think, yeah, I gave I gave it six for Skulls for the same reason. Scares, I gave it a four because it was the music. Yeah, like you said, Jamie, the, the music and just um, all of the anticipation and all the stuff uh, that made it scary, not necessarily gore and stuff. Mm -hmm. And Shakes, I'm going to give it a seven. I just can't, also can't stop thinking about the fact that I did not give Pearl a 10 for Shakes. (laughs) Brian, we might have to change that. (laughs) What about you, Brian? Um, I gave it a seven for Skulls. 
Um, this is a movie that I think needed to be more of like an eight or a nine, like for what it is. So I'm giving it a mm-hmm. seven. Um, scares, I'm giving it a five. The tension mm-hmm. and just like the fear of Shelley Duvall is kind of where it comes from for me. Like, um, and then I, I think I'm giving it a ten for shakes. Mm. I, oh, wow. I, I just think like that third act is so good. That first act yeah. is so good. Um, I think that it's just too iconic. Like when I think of like slow burn horror movies, I like think of like maybe this and Rosemary's baby mm. and a couple of others. Like mm. this is just a mm-hmm. standard. Like this is, and, and I, you know, and, and standards don't always hold up. And this one really does, like, mm-hmm, significantly yeah. so. So I just think that, like, this is definitely a, a – a, this is great. I think it's a top ten favorite, and um, it's a it's a ten. And I also think that um, Dr. Sleep enhances this movie significantly. Fair. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. And vice versa. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to give this a ten. Grand. Grand. Um, Cool. Let's go through suggestions. Jamie, what else? What would you suggest watching with The Shining? I mean, Dr. Sleep. Duh. I literally wrote duh in my thing. Um, Dr. Sleep. But I think Dr. Sleep. Uh, I think for another good Stephen King adaptation that also builds a lot of tension, um, I'm going to go with Misery. Good one. Oh, Yeah. Actually, you know, because Brian, you said it, it's, I mean, because Dr. Sleep, yes, of course, but also Rosemary's Baby, yes, it's a good slow, hmm. if you want a slow burn. Slow burn 70s movie. movie. Hell yeah. Yeah. Slow burn 70s. Yeah. Um, so I had mentioned previously that movie Room 237, that like weird documentary. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's super fun to watch. <laughs> um, hmm. But I'm going to go with The Lodge. Oh, yeah. We talked about it earlier. Um, but, you know, obviously, like, you know, PTSD from events from before, cabin fever, uh, mm-hmm. not knowing what's real and what's not, that, like, very, like, stark, bleak kind of atmosphere, a weird score, um, snow being trapped. I mean, I'm going to go with that. Nice. Fantastic. Well, Ooh. I think... That wraps up our episode, our 100th episode, we guys. Did it. We did it. We did Hashtag doing our best 100 times. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> and more to come. So much more good content to come. You can mm-hmm. follow us on all of the social medias, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at TalkHorrorPod, P-O-D. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can listen to us wherever you get podcasts. So that's like Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank thank you. you. And uh, this is our 100th episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is our 100th episode. (laughs) So I would, if you haven't yet, please do write us a review. Um, It really, really, really helps us get this out there. There's some really good Mm -hmm. horror podcasts out there. We'd love if we came up in the search with some of those. Um, One, but also two, like, I like reading them. Uh, They're fun. Yeah. 
Uh, I like mm-hmm. to hear what you have to say, um, both from an ego standpoint and both from a how can we improve type of way. But mostly give us five stars, so there shouldn't be any improvement. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes. but yeah, definitely. Uh, if you if you've been a long time listener or a first time listener um, for our one hundredth episode, we would really appreciate you writing us a review um, on Apple, even on Spotify. Rate us there, whatever the case may be. Um, thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Red rum. Red rum. That's all, red, the, red, all I can sign red, up with. Red rum. Red rum. Red rum. Shout out to the PA. Bye, guys. Shout Thanks. out to the PA who typed all that up. Oh, yeah. Oh, shout out to the PA. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. May. Bye. Bye.